Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. First Samuel 17 and 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Socho, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Socho and Azekah in Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Apparently the Philistines, they're still pretty angry at being beaten by Jonathan back in chapter 14. They're still mad and so they're here to fight again. So this time they're going to bring out their big gun. They bring out Goliath. It says champion. means he was undefeated. That means this man killed absolutely everybody that he ever encountered. This guy is lethal. And according to the measurements we were given, he was almost 10 feet tall. That was 9 foot 6. His bronze armor weighed 125 pounds. And plus his spear was so big, it said the spear was like a weaver's beam. If a weaver, they get in front of a big loom with all the strings and they run the loom, the whatever they call it, the shuttle through the strings like that. Well, there's a big beam at the bottom and a big beam at the top that has to hold all that tight. And the beam is a huge... It's a big piece of wood that is on the top and bottom, and that big piece of wood is the size of the spear this guy threw. That's big. (laughs) Plus, his spear was so big that the spearhead weighed 15 pounds. Just the spearhead alone was 15 pounds. And remember, David is just a teenage boy. Uh, 1 Samuel 17 and 8. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, 
they were dismayed and greatly afraid. But do y'all remember when King Saul ran out to battle for Israel? He ran out there and it was against this group and that group early on when he ran out to battle and he actually did pretty well. Um, What changed since then? Something changed since then. Look what it says he's doing now. He's not brave and running out there anymore. He's afraid. You remember what happened? When David was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. David got the Spirit of God upon him, and it departed from Saul. And it enabled David for great works of service. But Saul lost it. It's like the switch got flipped off. He's not operating under the power of God anymore. He's operating under a troubling spirit of distress. And friends, this is very important for us to understand that as we go through life, there are distressing spirits that try to mess with you. And when they're messing with you, you can't function like you ought to for kingdom work for God. You're not going to be as bold. You're not going to be as empowered, as capable. So take a snapshot of yourself from time to time. If you're very, very troubled, I understand trial and tribulation, but if you get troubled to a level like this, you're going to just sit still and become stagnant. And you don't want that happening in your life, right? And so neither side, neither army wants to make a move. They don't want to make the first move. So Goliath suggests, bring out your best men and take me on. We'll deal with it between just two guys and we'll let that handle it. 1 Samuel 17 and 12. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three eldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Okay, so we were just given the stats on how big and mighty Goliath was, but now we're shown how small David is. <laughs> he's the youngest. He, he's not the oldest of the boys Out of eight brothers, he was the smallest, youngest one. The brothers went to war, but David went home to feed the sheep. (laughs) See see what the Bible's trying to do here? (laughs) This big, mighty Goliath. And now look at David. I know my voice is playing into the drama here, but I'm just trying to give an idea of what the text is showing us. People would have seen this the way we think about draft dodgers. Where are you going? I'm going to feed the sheep. we got a battle out here. Well, I've got to go feed the sheep. Oh, that's little David, see. And so we're given this comparison between David and Goliath, not in only their size, but also their experience. One has experience for battle, one does not. And the text is just showing us how absolutely unlikely it appears that David is going to be the one to turn this confrontation around. <laughs> 1 Samuel 17, 16. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days. Guys, this is over a month. Nobody makes a move. Presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul 
And they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. Ooh, you just mouthed off to the wrong guy. Goliath had taunted Israel, God's own people. This is a God mocker, y'all. This is the major problem here. This God mocker, he taunted Israel for more than a whole month. Friends, we have a God mocker that's been taunting the people of God since 1973. And he is a giant. And we go and we stand in before that giant once a month. And we pray Goliath down, we call it. It's known as Planned Parenthood. That'll never come down, Ray. Well, just read David and Goliath and we'll find out. So Goliath had taunted Israel for more than a whole month every day. And every day his confidence got higher and higher. Think, you're this giant. Nobody's ever beat you. Forty whole days and nobody steps forward. This giant thinks he's got this made. In fact, by now, Goliath's, what do they call it, smack talk? was probably more threatening than ever. He was really talking it up. But this time he smarted off in front of the wrong guy. He smarted off in front of a young boy, but who had the Holy Spirit of God upon him. The Spirit of God was upon him. Goliath just made a fatal mistake that was even bigger than he was. 1 Samuel 17 and 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, did you notice? (laughs) It's obvious. Did you notice the difference of perception between David and all these other guys? how they were seeing things drastically different. Um, Everyone else was looking at this situation through terms of money, self-gain, riches, tax exemption, wealth, all about me. What do I get if I killed Goliath? What does the king's daughter look like? I want her. They're thinking about what I get. This is what I get out of it. And friends, if you view God's kingdom work through the lens of money, if you look at it through the lens with big old dollar signs in your eyeballs, 
What will happen to you is that you will become stagnant, you will become inactive, you will become dead in your tracks. You will not be effective for the kingdom of God. Forty days, nobody stepped forward because they had money on their mind. Money, money, money. Jesus said, seek first the things of the kingdom, and then I will give you the rest, okay? He'll take care of that. If you prioritize the money first and let that become the single priority, the driving force behind everything you do, the light switch of kingdom work in your life just got switched right off. Jesus said, even himself, he said, you cannot serve both God and money. You will love only one and you will hate the other. And I think David could hardly believe his ears when he heard what people were saying. Oh, this is what the king's going to do. He's going to give us this and give us that. Did you notice how David took it? He actually asked other men. He says he asked somebody else to see if at least somebody was concerned about taking away the reproach, he said. The insult, reproach, the insult, the downright slap in the face against Israel. David saw that his God was being mocked and not one Israelite would step forward because they were too busy trying to figure out how to get rich out of this. Sadly, today, I'm just going to modernize real quick. A lot of Christians think like this right now. Lord, I won't get up until you make it worth my while first, and then I will act. We should act first because God said to. Yeah, but what about the money? God will deal with that later. That was exactly the battle I went through when the Lord called me to ministry. But what about the money? Because I'll be walking away from my job. God says, I'll take care of that. So I went, well, okay. But I had to get through this. This very thing these guys were dealing with, they're thinking money, what do I get? They're weighing out, should I really make a go of this or not? Is it really worth my effort? But David had a heart like God. He saw things differently than most. He saw it about the reproach of Israel. He saw it about what God wanted. And guys, this is the way we ought to think too. Not, where's the money? What do I get out of it? I have a friend who left church one day, and he told his wife, he goes, well, I didn't get anything out of that. And she goes, well, since when was it about what you get? It should never be about what we get. You'll go stagnant. It should be about God getting our obedience. It's never about what you get. It's about what does God get? God told me to do something. Does God get my obedience or do I got to weigh it out first? And let's see, what, what, where's my cost to rate, uh, expense ratio here? Just, just obey. 1 Samuel seventeen twenty eight. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You see what he's trying to do? Who have you left those sheep with? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. David's just like, do any of y'all get it? How about you? Do you get it? Well, you know, the king said he'd pay us. (laughs) He just can't get a straight answer that's, that's a godly answer from anybody. Now, I think Eliab might have been a little jealous of David's anointing, so he took advantage of David's lowly shepherding position. Remember, we talked last week about when you're a shepherd, people see you this big. 
They see you as nothing. You're the bottom of the pole. You're, you're a shepherd. Kind of rejected like Jesus was the good shepherd. And so he took advantage of David being a shepherd to let everybody know, hey, how about those sheep? Who'd you leave the sheep with, David? You hear what the brother's trying to do? This is a perfect example, this situation right here, where his brother's trying to make him look bad in front of the men. It's a perfect example of how a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Goliath is out there mocking Israel, and now even Israelites are mocking other Israelites. That's another thing that will cause you to fail in kingdom work. When you become stagnant and you weigh things out based on money, you will start to become like the leaven, whatever leaven you see. Because the brothers are not acting, they're not stepping out on the battlefield, but whatever Goliath was doing, now they're doing to David. The one guy that God had sent to get the job done, and now they're being a Goliath to him. Guys, David's not just facing Goliath, he's facing his own brethren. How bad does this have to get? You know, this is why believers must speak in a manner that builds others up. Scripture says that. Speak in a way that edifies people, that builds them up. And if you can't do that, then hush. If you can't speak nice and build people up, then be quiet. But also what's going on here, the way the army's being, nobody's moving for 40 days. They're starting to turn their frustrations out on David. This is the after effects of Saul's bad leadership. Saul hadn't been a very good leader lately. And now look what kind of army he's got. Saul had no integrity. He never stuck to what he said he was going to do. And now he has a divided army that won't stand united. And it's sad that before David can stand against Goliath, his own people stand against him first. But don't feel too bad for David. This was a test of David's patience. You ever been squeezed? You ever been put in a hard place? That's your faith being tested. And David's faith is being tested. His patience which I think David handled very well because he said, what have I done? (laughs) What did I do? (laughs) He said, is there not a cause? In other words, why are you attacking me when a Philistine God mocker is standing right over there and y'all aren't doing anything about it? What did I do? And in verse 30, David turned towards someone else to see if they were catching his angle. But even they answered the same way. Well, the king said he'd pay us. Well, the king said he'd pay us. We'll get tax exemption. Money, money, money. You see what they're doing? David's like, you guys, man, y'all just, you're gone. It's apparent that nobody sees this the way David does. I mean, have you ever been the lone Christian in the room and everybody's against God and you're looking for just one person that, that will support you? Sometimes there won't be. And that's when you realize God put me here. This falls on me to do something. I better act. But you know, nobody else had a heart like David did. Sometimes you'll find yourself in a position where nobody has a heart like you either, and it's going to be up to you. It does happen. Happens a lot. First Samuel seventeen thirty one. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Can you imagine that? <laughs> really, boy, (laughs) you're going to do this? Verse 33, and Saul said to David, 
You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Now look, you've got the leader of the nation, the top guy who has led battles in the past, telling you, you can't do it. You ever been told that? You can't do it. I've been told that more times than I know I can count. Ray, you can't do it. The enemy has told me, Ray, you can't do it. You can't lead a church. I've had people tell me that. I have had people close to me tell me that. But what did God tell you you can do? Who does God say you are? Forget what everybody thinks about you. Who does God say that you are? That's what you go by. I'm a son of God. Nobody tells me who I am. (laughs) I've been saved by Jesus. Anyway, verse 34. He tells him you can't do it, but... Look at David. Go. Uh, Get him. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, like as if that wasn't enough, verse 37, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Friends, this is what faith looks like right here. This is what it looks like. I can quote Hebrews 11.1 1 to you that faith is the assurance of things not seen. And if you need a story that illustrates what a Hebrews 11.1 1 looks like, this is it. This story right here. Because if you look, David had already claimed the victory as being done before he even stepped out on the field. Did you see that? The victory hadn't happened yet, but he's already claiming it before it happened. That's faith. Faith is the assurance of things not seen. He said, the Lord who delivered me will deliver me from this Philistine. So Christians, oh my gosh, if we could only learn to be like this, what great things that the Lord God could do in our lives. It's amazing. This is also a good passage for pastors to hear. I hope some pastors somewhere are listening to me. Pastor means shepherd. Shepherd, that's pastor. And David was just putting pastoring terms into a shepherding picture. That when an enemy comes along and attacks a member of your flock, then the pastor should do something about it. David did something about it. He didn't just go, oh well, typical loss. He got up, he went over and engaged that enemy head on. Pastors, you've got to do this for your flock, for your assembly. You have to protect your people because they trust you to watch over their souls. Pastors, learn from this. Engage that enemy that comes and messes with your people. 
So Saul gave David permission to fight. It's not like he had anybody else volunteering anyway. But I think David sold him. I'm going to do with it. Now, how did Saul take it? Well, if he dies, oh, well, no big loss. He's not a very big dude anyway. I don't know how Saul took it. But he said, okay, go. May the Lord be with you. But this scenario is just incredible. You see the, the tension mounting, the, the impossibility that's impossible with men, but possible with God, right? And so 1 Samuel 17 and 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.